0: Hello, it's Clive Picard, and I'm very pleased to welcome Dinny and Rachel from the Vaccine Control Group, who've been doing amazing work, and I'd like you both, if you would, to tell everybody about what you've been doing, and the progress, and what you're looking forward to.
1: Yeah, brilliant, thanks for inviting us on. Do you want us to quickly, briefly explain how we began again?
2: That would be yeah. great, yes. Well then. OK, I'll do a, a really quick potted version of it. Um, basically, I was involved in a Freedom Cooperative and um, we we saw the meme, um, I'm in the control group for people who had not had the vaccine, but um, knew that there wasn't that the, the pharmaceutical companies had got rid of the um, actual control groups. And so people were saying, well, I'm in the control group because I haven't been vaccinated. Therefore, you know, you can look at me for to see what the difference is between those who've been vaccinated and those who haven't. And we decided that actually we should start our own actual control group because we had the IT skills to create a database. Um, and I met Rachel at a stand in the park. And Rachel, will tell you what she does.
1: Yeah, so I was uh, working as an emergency department nurse during March 2020 and actually left my job in October 2020. and kind of came to the realisation that everything wasn't as it seemed and kind of looked for communities that felt the same as me, which is when I happened upon Stand in the Park. And then that's where I met Deni and their local cooperative and jumped on board with the control group idea. I thought it was fantastic and I couldn't wait to help. So that's yeah. how we kind of began.
2: Yeah, and what we are is we, we are a study of the differences in health between those who haven't taken The COVID-19 vaccine and those who have. Primarily we were just looking at those who hadn't taken the COVID vaccine and looking at their health. We ask each person who joins us to enter in their health information every month to see how they're doing. Um, They enter in whether they've been ill, um, how they feel, um, have they been discriminated against, what coughs and colds have they had. You know we just ask as, as many questions as we can about their health and how they are, how they're doing. Um, very recently, we've started to ask in those people who've been vaccinated as well, so we've got our own comparison group. We also have, um, we issue people with a digital ID. Everyone who joins us gets a digital ID card that says that they're a participant in the control group or a member of the control group. The idea is that, of that is that they are visible so that we can all stand up together and say, look, we haven't been vaccinated We're we're fine with that, you know, it's a valid choice and it's actually possibly a healthy choice. Um, Those people who decide to help fund us because we're a cooperative, we have an associate membership, which is um, a subscription of £6 a quarter or £24 a year. Those people who very kindly choose to do that get a physical version of the the ID card, plastic printed version um, that actually has turned out to be quite useful that you explained yep so Uh, so so we
1: realized um quite quickly that people were using their card to stand up for their their rights to um, access things that they would normally be turned away from due to the fact they're unvaccinated. So in in places where it was mandatory to have a vaccine to enter a hospital, for example, people would present their vaccine control groups card and say, I'm part of this study. It says I must not be vaccinated, therefore you must respect my decision. And we found that it was working absolutely incredibly. Um, And so we created a telegram group as part of our community online, which is for people to share their success stories and using the card. And we're just blown away every time we look at that and read the success stories. So people have kept their jobs with it, um, even in places like Australia that were heavily mandated and lots of people lost their job due to being unvaccinated. Um, people have gone to hospital to visit loved ones before they've died, when they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And people have even flown in, in and out of countries using it when they would normally be denied access so it's just been amazing for people and given people that that shield and lifeline
0: well it's absolutely incredible particularly to see the loved ones i mean that's you know, yeah. it was such an outrageous thing to be able to yeah. escape that is absolutely fantastic and the people mm-hmm. for instance who've traveled using it any idea what percentage of people were successful and what percentage were turned away at a border or
1: something that's a really good yeah. question, because we we do hear of the odd story where people contact us and say that it, it wasn't successful. But actually, there's from we hear of far more successes. And I don't know if that's just because those people don't contact us when it doesn't work or if it just doesn't work if it works more often I, I I don't know the answer to that but all we can say is that we've seen thousands and thousands of successes mm. and we've heard of a few stories when
2: it hasn't been but yeah I don't know the percentage. I, I wonder if because I mean the, the card has no legitimacy it isn't it is purely a membership for our associate uh, for our cooperative it's not um, a, a pass of any sort However, I think anyone who who then, who goes to an airport and tries to use it is standing up confidently for their sovereign rights. And so they're going there with the with the understanding that actually, you know, we should be allowed to travel. There's no reason why we shouldn't be allowed to travel. And because, because the card is really just it's just a little shield. That's all. I think most people who go there with that mindset of, you know, why shouldn't I be? Why should I be stopped from traveling there? The people on the other side are going to let them through. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, that's probably why we don't hear too much of people no. being turned away because the anyone who was nervous about doing it and, and didn't believe that they had the right to actually go somewhere probably wouldn't try. That that's just my my
1: Yeah, yeah, you're probably it, right. So. It's all about confidence and intention, isn't yeah. it? So
0: So how many people are in the control group now?
2: Um about three hundred and forty thousand ish.
0: That's very successful, I mean, very inspirational. But uh, and yeah. you, presumably you sort of more or less did it without having to spend a lot of money to create it or, or was it a financial problem at the beginning?
2: Initially, um, I mean, it would have cost us thousands upon thousands to set up. Fortunately, we had, um, because my husband's the database developer and is highly skilled in that area, we were able to have it set up you know for pretty much nothing in terms of, of we didn't have to pay an it person to do that we had to buy some equipment and we put some of our savings in initially yeah. um just to get it started but the the biggest expense you know would have been paying an it team to write the system because it's been written from the ground up it's entirely ours. we've not bought an off-the-shelf system because our fear was that because of uh, we're studying people that possibly the government don't want studied um, for whatever reason, that if we were to buy something off the shelf, there would be holes in it or ways Mm. into it and it wouldn't be terribly secure. So we've written everything ourselves from the ground up so that it is absolutely secure and we know that no one else can get into it. So um, yeah, we were were in, in a position where we could do it, which is why we did.
0: And you know, so often with organisations, infiltrators are sent in. Uh, have you come across any of that?
2: Potentially, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we've we've had at least one incident, um, which we're, we're not going to talk about no. because you know it's not verifiable at all, um, and that person didn't have any access to any data whatsoever. But it was more of a trying to undermine yeah undermine our thought processes and what we're doing um that was yeah that was but it was something we needed to learn yeah
1: you know way more cautious than we were before aren't we (laughs) we know what to look out for now
2: yeah so um yeah
0: so so many scare stories going around as to you know they're going to do this that and the other do you think that they're going to have another go at vaccines this year or, or are they going to go on to something else?
2: I would have said no until I read the news this morning.
0: Oh, I, have, I don't read news.
2: So. Ava, I, read, I read the BBC every day. I I hate it doing it, but it, it. I,
1: know,
2: I do it for everyone else. Nobody else does it. I take on that task willingly because it just gives you an idea of what they want you to think not that i'm a conspiracy theorist uh, yeah. um, okay maybe i'm but it just it it gives you an idea of, of what where where group think is going and at the moment they're trying to push um avian flu yeah so i you yeah.
1: know i've seen some signs about actually on some dog walks they are oh, pushing really? that a bit yeah yeah
0: well they've been trying that one for several years now Yeah. um yeah. And uh, I mean, in some countries, they seem to be succeeding more than others. I mean, Holland, the slaughter of animals there, I, th- I can't remember the exact number. I think what they're, they're saying in Holland, it should be 50% less animal farming than now, something like that. Wow. And the, Gosh. Um, the farmers rebelled and dumped manure all over council buildings and so on. But <laughs> I don't suppose it did did any good. But uh, who knows? But I mean, they came for the ash trees, didn't they? They've cut down. <laughs> Cut down most, loads of the ash trees in England to save them. You know, it's obviously cutting yeah, so yeah. down. It's the same with the chickens.
2: Yeah, they've culled loads of chickens. In fact, there, there was some statistic about how many chickens have died from avian flu and how many have been culled. And it, it looks like they've culled millions in comparison to the number that have died from the flu. It just—I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, I'm them, no expert on this, so
0: but they locked them indoors for a while. Now, mm-hmm. if you, if you um, want to spread some bacterial disease or something locking them all in in a shed together is going to be very good you know yeah
2: works for humans too i think
0: oh, absolutely <laughs> that's good and uh, you give them bad food to top it off mm-hmm. so uh where next you know do you do you plan to start maybe perhaps a secondary operation to tackle the next big thing or you, you're going to stick with where you are what's the plan
1: so so moving forward obviously we've set up the database which enables us to actually look at any health outcomes we we like really going forward so the way it's been built it can actually be turned into anything and and naturally we could create a control group for anything out of the people that are willingly entering their data and obviously we're looking at that totally anonymized um but You know, SARS-CoV-2 study, which is what we originally set up to do, could potentially just become one of the studies, and we could be looking at anything else that comes next, or environmental issues. You know, any anything that we feel is important to look into. The scientists could could have a look in the data and see see what's going on there. So
2: we can we can potentially become any a study of anything. Yeah, but the COVID study will that is at our core, Mm -hmm. and that will continue for generations. Yeah. You know, we're talking about 30 years, but as long as it's necessary, um, because, you know, multiple generations will be affected by that. So that's that's always going to be at our core. But, yeah, yeah like Rachel said, you know, people are entering their health data. We could compare any new thing that comes along, mm-hmm. I, MPOX, or, you know, um, yeah. the effects of the Ohio, uh, you know, chemical leak, all sorts of things, If if, you know, if that was relevant.
0: If anybody is listening to this in the States, it's important that people know that there are some powerful remedies for vinyl chloride. And uh, one of them is glutathione. And you can take supplements to trigger your own liver to make glutathione, which is better than taking it, uh, glutathione itself, at least long-term. And so people need to know that it it will, uh, to a large degree, sort out Final chloride poisoning. And yeah, there are other materials like fulvic minerals and MSM sulfur and a whole bundle of them that will detoxify people if they know.
2: Mm. And actually that that's a, an important point in in what we're doing because we're redesigning the database at the moment to make it much, much better and, and asking much deeper questions. And we're asking a lot about supplements that people are taking initially, it was really about vitamins, but what we're adding into it is all sorts of other supplements that people take because we've, we've learned from our participants that people like us take all sorts of different things depending on, on what they feel their body needs and what the environment's doing and what they're lacking. Um, so potentially we can add in all these different things and see what effect they have on people, those who are taking those things and those people who choose not to take those things. So, you know, if, if we had lots of participants in Ohio and the surrounding areas, and some were taking glutathione and some weren't, it could be that we could look at the data and say, well, you know, this cohort are having different outcomes to that cohort. We, we've got the potential to do that.
0: Well, that's brilliant. Um, a friend of mine, Phil Mycans, who runs anti-aging systems, one of the first longevity-focused supplement companies, he he was pointing out that AI... Is not all bad, and that every year there are about a million papers published, uh, you know, medical type papers, and that, but most, only a few are in English. You know, a lot of them are in Chinese or Japanese or Russian or whatever. But AI could scan not only the million a year, but all the millions that have been in past years. It could scan it in in very little time and correlate. If you put in. Health recovery from X AI could look through all the papers that have been written in the world and correlate what comes up.
2: Mm, that would be useful. so long as they could interpret the scientific language correctly. Well, true. There are uh, having a husband in IT. We have discussions about AI a lot, and uh, it depends on on you know the programming and the bias that's programmed into it. Because well,
0: yes, of course, you've got to
2: trust that that hasn't been built in. And the papers, right? Yeah. So um We're a suspicious pair.
0: Yeah, well, me too. Um <laughs> but I I'm i I'm slightly more optimistic than I was, I think, um, because people are waking up. I feel slightly more confident. I mean, obviously it's a bit of a race, but um, So is there is there anything you'd particularly like to add that would be useful?
2: Um I think the thing we always say to people is that we need loads of participants. We're only going to be able to show these outcomes properly if we have enough participants in each of the different geographical areas, because we want to be able to show that the same thing is happening to people in you know, France, Italy, um, South America, Argentina, Alaska. You know, if, if the same thing's happening to the unvaccinated all over the world, then that's pretty good evidence to say that actually this is this is what is happening um you know if you're only looking at the Western world or you're only looking at um Europe then it's it's not so powerful and because we are an observational uh, survey and um, self-reported survey it's it's got to have that quantity for it to be really really powerful
0: well absolutely so if you'd like to just repeat how uh, what your website is so people can find it and join up
1: yeah, at the moment, it's www.vaxcontrolgroup.com. So that's vaxcontrolgroup.com. Um, We might have another one coming shortly, but we'll share that when the time comes and it's right. But yeah, that's where you can join and find all the information you need and come and join the community. Yes, we've got a huge online community, which is just absolutely amazing. And we meet twice a week on Zoom every week. And myself and Dean are always there. And we've just made friends of people from all over the world and it's just grown into a lovely, lovely group. And if anybody is watching this and has, you know, some important information to share regarding health or well-being, something that can educate educate us and, and others, then we'd love to hear from you because we run community events um at least once a week online as well, which you've kindly done one for us before. Um and that just helps to empower people and educate people in things they might not have considered before. And yeah, they're, they're brilliant. So if anyone's interested in in doing those or coming along, please do. They're all on our website.
0: Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it strikes me that all the groups that are successful like yours and got large, <coughs> large numbers of, of people need to put aside whatever differences they might have. And all the groups need to get together with, so we've got Absolutely. one voice needs to happen yeah. now.
2: We've all got expertise in different areas, and and are, are tackling what's happening from different angles. Yeah, we all get to get together. We're much more powerful together.
0: Well, right. so that that's certainly what needs to happen, and I will spread this as far as far and wide as I can. Uh, thank so, you. thank, thank you. you, thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Rachel.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Lovely to all see you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.